Stand and Deliver in the Moonlight Read and written by Rachel Lawson It was a cool and crisp night in the Epping Forest. The stagecoach moved amongst the shadows of the full silver moon, which gave the forest a magical glow for Mary Gregory, passenger of the coach. Her brother's magistrate, Sir Thomas Gregory, thought it felt less magical and more eerie and dangerous. He saw highwaymen and footpads in every shadow. The driver was also nervous, as highwaymen were known to work these woods. Suddenly a man with gleaming guns on a white horse rode out of the shadows into the moonlight. He was handsome and well-dressed. The nervous driver sped up the coach. The horseman followed at a faster pace. Stop or I'll shoot, he shouted. Firing his pistol, he winged the driver. He knew the next shot might kill him. He slowed and stopped the coach. The rider pulled up to him and dismounted. Stand and deliver, your money or your life, shouted the highwayman. Mary and her brother climbed out of the coach. Ah, good evening, my lady, Mr. Thomas Gregory. This is a lovely evening, is it not? The highwayman said and kissed Mary's hand. Oh, yes, it is, said Mary, enchanted by the moonlight and his gallantry. No, it is not. I'd rather miss this meeting folder, said the magistrate, recognising him from wanted posted. Faulkner? Not gentleman John Faulkner? said Mary. Guilty, said the highwayman, smiling behind his mask. Your goods, please, Sir Thomas, added Faulkner, pointing a gun at the magistrate. Mary offered up her jewellery. Oh, keep your things, my lady, said Faulkner, giving her jewellery back. Her brother reluctantly handed him his purse of money. The highwayman Next turned to the driver, whose arm was bleeding badly, and holding out his hand for more booty. John said, Now, you, sir, you should get that arm looked at. It looks quite bad. The driver handed over his valuables. The highwayman sent them on their way. Sir Thomas driving. The driver inside the coach being tended by Mary. Two nights later, the weather warmer, a new highwayman was on the road for the first time. He seemed to be a youth in a black outfit. He was enjoying the thrill of riding through the night. It was the first outing of this new highwayman. The highwayman, who nearly held up a coach, but somebody beat this would be highwayman to it. So turning the horse and heading home was all that could be done. The next morning, the Gregory home had a visitor. Mary was very excited to meet this famous man she had never met before. He was a friend of her brother's, a famous popular actor, who was playing a highwayman on the stage in London. He was a tall, handsome man, and from the moment Mary saw him, she knew she could easily love this man. His name was Sir Justin Beaufort. Hello, my lady, said the actor. I hear you made a real highwayman the other day. I wish I had been with you. They're so thrilling and romantic. Yes, they are, agreed Mary. No, they are dangerous mercenaries. The driver of the coach died from the wound he got from the highwayman. Or did you forget that? Asked Sir Thomas. Sir Justin looked chastened and nervous. Did he have a family? 
asked Sir Justin. More than likely. And they'll hang Faulkner now he's killed someone, said Sir Thomas. He won't hang. It was an accident, said Gregory. He shot a man. He should have realised there was a chance the man would die, said Sir Thomas. If they get him, they will hang him. I'm sure of that, said Sir Justin sadly. Later, Mary was riding in a coach with Sir Justin, and she heard, Stand and deliver your money or your life. The voice yelled when the coach stopped. She leapt out of the coach to see the driver being murdered with a single shot to the heart, for no reason other than that he did not stop quickly enough. She was nervous now. This was the feared killer highwayman Terence the Terror of Essex. Hand over your loot. Either you give it to me now, or I take it from your body. Terence the Terror said to her. He did so quickly. Out of the coach stepped an angry Sir Justin. That's enough, Terry. Give it back, said Sir Justin. He startled the terror, who was confused. Justin walked over and pointed the terror's own gun at him. I said, give it back, Terry, said Sir Justin. Don't call him Terry. People say he doesn't like that. This isn't a theatre. He'll kill you, said Mary nervously. You'll have to wait in line, said Sir Justin with a smile. Sir Justin, you are annoying me. Nobody robs me, not even my friends. You will pay for this. Stand down and I will forget it, said Terence the Terror. Stand the liver, Terry, said Sir Justin. He's drunk. Ignore him, Mr. Terror, said Mary. You stone cold, sober and southern, said the highwayman. Terence the Terror handed back the loot. He was fuming. Sir Justin shot it in the air to disarm the gun. Here you are, my friend. Have your property and let us go on our way, Sir Justin said. You're not my friend, Terence the Terror, stomping over to his horse. You know something? I think I lost a friend, said Sir Justin, sadly, as he drove the coach off. You are insane, shouted back Mary, from inside the coach. Later in the day, at the Gregory home, Tom, your friend is a nut, said Mary when they arrived with the body of the driver. What did he do, murder the driver so he could drive the coach? Asked Thomas. Justin laughed. No. That was a terror, said Sir Justin. Oh, did he kill the driver so you could drive it? Said Sir Thomas. Are you insane? Asked Sir Justin. No. Said Sir Thomas. Terence the Terror held us up and shot the driver. Then I held up the Terror. Said Sir Justin. You did what? Asked Sir Thomas. I bailed up the Terror and took your sister's stuff back. She was under my care. Said Sir Justin. Thank you. Did you take him in? Asked Sir Thomas. 
No, I let him go, said Sir Justin. Why did you do that? asked Sir Thomas. Someone had to drive the coach, and I couldn't be sure of Mary's safety if I kept him, replied Sir Justin. You know that he'll try kill you now, said Sir Thomas. If he does, he does. I could not live with myself if he robbed someone under my care, replied Sir Justin. That night, the youthful highwayman rode again. This time he stopped the coach and started to rob people. When three highwaymen arrived on the scene. New to this, are you, lad? said one of them. The youth panicked and fell off his horse, banging his head hard, and was knocked out by the fall. Terry, I think you killed him, said one of the others. He was a black plaid highwayman, named the ghost for his sudden appearances and disappearances. Ghost, the boy knocked out, not dead, said Gentleman John, who was riding with him. Terry just scared him, said John. We can't leave him here. What will we do? Said the highwayman the ghost, a Robin Hood type highwayman, completed the robbery. John picked the body up and hung it over his horse. The ghost took the horse of the young highwayman and rode off to Jonathan John's house. I'll look after him till he comes round, offered John. The odd band of highwaymen sat drinking and chatting for a few hours. Then the terror and the ghost left. When they had gone, John made a strange discovery. The boy had long hair in a bun, and his hat had been pinned to it found out this when he tried to remove the hat so he could put the lad to rest on his bed. He put her on the bed and sat looking at a script for a new play. He then sat drinking for a while. Later, when the highwaywoman woke up, it was like a play with a ham actor. Where am I? She muttered, putting down the script. He walked over to her. How are you feeling, miss? asked John. Miss, said the highwayman, not sure how he knew what she was or where she was. She felt for her mask. It was there. I saw your hair. If we knew you were a woman, my friends would have stayed, said John. Why? she asked. For your honour, said John. Whoever said there was no honour among thieves? Oh, yes, said the highwayman. Nothing happened. I'll marry you to keep your honour, said John. The highwayman stood up. Still, bit wonky. She thought she was dreaming. He was a man of honour. She loved him, so she was happy. She started to take off her mask. But he sobbed her. No, don't. We aren't safe seeing each other's faces. May cause problems. All right, then, he said, sobbing, trying to unmask. In the early morning, 
you said goodbye and left for home. A few hours later, Mary was sitting in the forest near her home, enjoying the new autumn day. Justin saw her on the way to visit her brother. He got off his horse and tied it to a branch of a small tree and walked over to her. What are you doing, my lady? asked Sir Justin, thinking she looked very pretty sitting amongst the autumn leaves. She blushed. It is ethereal here today, said Mary, looking at Sir Justin, who looked more handsome than ever. It's a glorious day, said Sir Justin, not lying. You all right? Yes. Come sit beside me, said Mary. Why? asked Sir Justin. The view is best from here, said Mary, as long as no one is around, said Sir Justin, with a smile. She said no one's here. Sir Justin sat beside her. What are we looking at? asked Sir Justin. Everything. The wind is singing in the trees. Blowing leaves through the air as they fall to the ground. The birds are seen in the forest. The forest floor is covered with crisp leaves, thick as snow, said Mary. Forgetting propriety and everything, he lay on his back in the leaves. I have never seen anything so beautiful to forget everything. And live here in this moment forever. Then looking up at the sky, he said, This looks better. Mary lay back, too. She watched the leaves fall from the trees, blowing in the wind. A leaf fell down, floating onto her heart. She put her hand on it. Her voice. Interrupted the scene. There you are, Mary. Have you been with him all night? Everyone's been looking for you, accused Sir Thomas. No, Sir Justin said, standing. I just found her here. I was on my way to see you. Mary, trying to stand up, fell over her long skirt. I was not with him, said Mary. Sir Justin thought he could see her forced marriage wedding. Being set up, I can't marry her, said Sir Justin. Why? asked Sir Thomas. I can't say, said Sir Justin. No excuses means you must marry her. For your honour and hers, said Sir Thomas. Don't use my honour against me, said Sir Justin. You must marry her as you were driven by honour. Sir Thomas said. Sir Justin shook his head and jumped on his horse and rode away. Over the following weeks, the highwayman and the highwaywoman became inseparable. They took to the road most nights. They planned to run away and marry. After one last job, but it all went wrong. There was an unexpected ambush. They were on their horses when 
They demanded the passengers disembark the coach. They didn't notice the gun pointing from the coach until it was too late. But when they did, they rode away. It was Sir Thomas who shot one of them. John could have escaped, but he jumped off his running horse, which continued on its way. He ran back to his fiancée, the highwayman. You shot her! he said accusingly, kneeling and cradling her, looking in her face. Why didn't you escape? asked the dying highwaywoman. I don't want to live without you, said John. I have the two of them. I shall unmask them. Said Sir Thomas, unmasking John, his eyes widened and looked horrified. Hi, said Sir Justin. You're engaged to my sister. Who's the harlot? asked Sir Thomas, ripping off her mask, looking devastated. Mary, no! cried Sir Thomas. I have a fiancé, said John. My love, said Mary and died. John kissed her for the first and last time. A few weeks later, John joined her in death, as John was standing at the gallows of Tyburn. Sir Thomas watched the moose go round John's neck. Sir Thomas was sad. He'd missed John and Justin. The executioner pulled the lever of the trap door. The magistrate closed his eyes and saw Mary and John lying in the leaves in the forest and heard John saying, I have never seen anything so beautiful to forget everything and live here in this moment forever.